As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. You're listening to Why We Do What We Do. Welcome to Why We Do What We Do. I am your caffeinated host, Abraham. And I am your coffee master host, Shane. Lovely. To get in the right headspace for preparing the notes for this episode, I was definitely enjoying some coffee during that whole Mm -hmm. process. Yes, I feel like I do that for anything. Right, yeah. I think this is where you and I, our values most align is around (laughs) coffee. So like, I'm really excited to talk about this. (laughs) And we align in so many ways. Uh uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. But all right, all right, I dig it. Now, important caveat here. So as I said, we're talking about coffee. And before I even get into that, what I should say is that if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. We are ostensibly a psychology podcast. That's true. And coffee is is a thing that is not human behavior. But what we do with coffee is human behavior. Mm-hmm. And we do yes. it a lot of different ways. That's true. As a former Starbucks employee and uh, a coffee master, I can tell you that we had to learn a whole lot of different ways that coffee was roasted and produced and grown and all that stuff. So well, um, I have like a weird working knowledge of coffee that I shouldn't have. <laughs> well, I, I was definitely thinking I, I would be able to lean on you a little for that that sort of insider wisdom. And first of all, is a coffee master like an official title? Yes. So you go through like a special training program. Sure. And if you ever go to a Starbucks and you see somebody with a black apron, they're considered a coffee master. They've gone through the program. They have done a tasting and a pairing with their um, like with some supervisor somewhere. And so, yeah, it's like an actual thing that you go through. At the time that I did it, you had to complete your coffee passport. Because you were given a coffee passport to try all the coffees that were in the store. Okay. Then you have to go through like an additional training and then you have to, and it's all voluntary. Like you can elect to do it, but like your supervisor has to say, yes, you can. Mm. And then at the end of it, you host like a coffee tasting seminar and you create your own unique pairing. And I did mine with a Kenyan coffee and I did mine with Smarties which is like the the Smarties candy, which like every time you would eat a different Smarties candy with the coffee, it would give it like a different flavor profile. Huh? That's fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a, it was a fun one. Wow. Okay. That was, that was really fun. (laughs) Now I invited that sort of sidebar, (laughs) but what I was also saying was if you'd like to support us, you can join us on Patreon. You can subscribe to the show. You can leave us a rating and review. You can buy some merch. You can join a club where you talk about, why we do what we do and all that's great Mm -hmm. i'll talk more about that at the end of this episode for sure now let's get into this that again (laughs) love that sidebar and i invited it but we are not actually talking much about coffee beans or how this drink has evolved over time there's a lot of really cool history and science and like things to talk about inside of that yeah instead though today's discussion really primarily is about the various ways that different cultures around the world use and sort of think about coffee so it's it's more about the behavior surrounding traditions and coffee around the world and and different ways that that's enjoyed. Yeah. And there's a lot to unpack too, with like fair trade and ethical coffee sourcing and all that stuff. Like, so we, but we are going to focus specifically around the traditions of coffee and like different behaviors around those traditions. And we can say, you know, support your local coffee farmer, 
and yes. like fair trade coffee certified distributor, whatever. Yeah. You know, support those people. They have the jobs and they need to be protected, that sort of thing. Yeah. It's a livelihood. Yeah. And also as we're getting into this, I would like to just wish everybody July apparently is a month of many things, but one of them is it's apparently picnic month. Mm-hmm. And on the day that this is being released, which is July 27th, it is national scotch day. Uh-huh. It is national walk on stilts day. <laughs> yes. Don't do those things at the same time, please. That's dangerous. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is take your house plant for a walk day. <laughs> I want everybody to just like go on this trip with me. Like right. you've got a drunk man on stilts walking around with a plant on a leash. Probably a cactus. <laughs> yeah. 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 Something, or, something. I mean, yeah. Depending on where you're at. Yeah. <laughs> right. Maybe it's in a Bjorn. <laughs> <laughs> just because this guy's like, oh, check out my peonies. So really don't fall in that case. Yeah. (laughs) And finally, it is Gary Gygax Day because it's his birthday. And I did not know who this was, although I had heard the name. I needed to look this up. So many people are already yelling at their device for listening to podcasts. (laughs) Uh, But this is the apparently the inventor of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. There's a great show on Netflix called High Score, and they talk about him and interview him at length about Dungeons and Dragons. It's pretty cool. There's also a great show on Netflix called Stranger Things, which, yeah. as I am given to understand, was inspired, at least in part, by Dungeons and Dragons. Most definitely. Yeah. So. All right. Shall we talk about coffee? Yes, let's do this, please. All right. Now, a lot of the information that I got while preparing this came from a very neat sort of food journalism website called Life and Time. T-H-Y-M-E time, of course. I like it. Yeah. And several others as well. But that was that was sort of the foundation for where I got a lot of this information. It was just arranged in a really useful way. And so if you're interested in learning more, check out that food journalism website. It seems like a really good place to go. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's like you said, there's a lot of really interesting history and a lot of stuff to kind of unpack around coffee, like, you know, how it's farmed, how it's all that stuff. And so, like, it is really cool to kind of like dig. It's actually fairly interesting if you really want to spend some time in that space. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, if not much longer than that. Yeah. And so as a as a quick background in history of this, although that's not a complete consensus, a lot of people claim origins for where coffee came from. Many do believe that coffee originated in Ethiopia. Now, a huge surprise there, a lot of very favorable conditions for growing coffee in Ethiopia grows very easily, at least historically it has. And then from there, presumably spread to Europe, Asia and beyond just around the Mm -hmm. whole entire world. Yeah. And what you'll find, too, is when you mentioned Ethiopia having favorable conditions, there is something called the coffee belt that is mm-hmm. a little bit smaller than the the tropics. It falls like in a, narrow, a more narrow band and all the world's coffee or most of the world's coffee is grown in that coffee belt. And you'll see like Latin American, Asian and African coffees all grown along that belt. Interesting. Yeah. Hawaii must fall in that belt. It does. Okay. It does. Yes. Yeah. They make wonderful. Love Hawaiian. Mm-hmm. So good. Yes. It's so good. So expensive. They say they sort of grow in Hawaii. I think at also various levels of elevation. Mm-hmm. They believe has some effect on the on the flavor. Yeah, and the volcanic soil definitely helps. Volcanic coffee. Yeah, that's why Jamaican coffee is so good too. Yeah, Blue Mountain coffee. Mm-hmm. I know there's one there. Yeah. So, okay, let's talk about how people drink their coffee around the world. Yeah, let's start with Sweden of all places. Let's do it. Sure. <laughs> Yeah. So according to the author of Fika, the art of the Swedish coffee break, Anna Brones in Sweden, coffee is meant to be enjoyed often in the company of others. And this coffee break is called a Fika, which can be used as a noun to have a Fika or a verb. You can Fika. And these breaks are meant to be an opportunity to slow down and enjoy the moment, have a conversation with someone or just be in their company, which is really wholesome and nice. I like that. Yeah, they really seem to cherish the moment, you know. The, the Swedish will frequently enjoy their coffee with cinnamon or um, cardamom buns specifically. Mm-hmm. So they'll have these little pastry things that go along with it. Down. That sounds good. Right. And yeah, it's the this whole thing is sort of a, a little ceremony that's intended to be where we're not going to drink our coffee in our car. We're not drinking it as we're on the go. It's a stop, pause your day, take a moment, enjoy the coffee. And then there's apparently one way of preparing the normal sort of what you might call filter coffee is called a brig cafe. I think I'm saying that correctly. It sounds about right. Some version of that. And then this is often accompanied with a refill or second cup. So it's sort of just you're going to have the two cups, right? You have your first mm-hmm. one and then your refill. And the second one is called a patar. I think it's nice. how, how my, one might say that. Yeah, I like that. What are your thoughts on filter coffee? Do you prefer filter coffee? I 
mostly prefer French press. Ah, me too. Yeah. See? You lied. Yeah. It's <laughs> <That's> fair. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'll drink filter coffee. It's fine. I like to say I'm more like a junkie than I am a connoisseur. So I'm like <laughs> okay. gas station coffee. I'm like, sure. Like if I'll 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 take yeah. it. But if, if it works. It, yeah, that's right. Yeah. If I need the caffeine, whatever. But if I am gonna prepare it and I'm gonna go through the the sort of process of enjoying my coffee. I will do a hand ground coffee in a French press mm-hmm. and, you know, make sure it has, you know, it sits for a few minutes, right. Temperature and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the best way to do it. Right. So I, that's just, that's my preference there. And a little tiny bit of ground is on the bottom, you know, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be a little bit like gritty. Yeah. In a good way. All right. There is a place many people might think of with respect to coffee and that is Italy. Ah, yes, Italy. So if you're going to a bar in Italy, you're going out for coffee where you might order a cafe, which is Italian for coffee. And coffee is often consumed in small cups. So people will enjoy several consecutively. And so what uh, you'll actually see these tiny little cups and we're going to talk about espresso in a second. These tiny little cups are called demitasses and they are tiny little things that look like I have grown too large and my hands (laughs) are too big for a regular mug. I'm too big for my cup. (laughs) It's one of my favorite things to drink out of because it looks so silly. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Now, important things about espresso here, because this is where the word comes from. The word espresso, it means fast. Okay. And Mm -hmm. it actually refers to how the coffee is made, not the type of coffee, not the roast of coffee. It's how it's prepared. Mm -hmm. An espresso machine was invented in Italy in the late 1800s, and it was a way to push steam through very finely ground coffee in a weird sort of sciencey chemical way that did some interesting things where it allowed it to extract a lot of flavor really quickly and because it was sort of forced in this anaerobic environment, it was mm-hmm. uh, allowed it to not be just straight water, right? And so it enabled the coffee maker person, barista. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, that's what, yeah, probably Italian term also. To produce a cup of coffee much more quickly than sort of more traditional methods of simply straining it. But important note here. In Italy, you do not order an espresso because that is just the default of coffee. Instead, you'd order un café. Yep. And a quick myth busting thing here. People think espresso has a ton of caffeine in it. A shot of espresso has less than half a cup of ca- like for a regular cup of coffee, a, yeah. a 12 ounce cup of coffee. A shot of espresso has less than half the caffeine that a 12 ounce cup of coffee has. So Correct. people uh, often misunderstand that it's a higher concentrate, but it's a it's not as much as people think it is. Right. Yeah. Because you're often not drinking it in very high volumes. So it's like you're just you're just not getting that much. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, a mocha, M-O-K-A, is essentially a percolator, which uses a somewhat similar process. So a basin is filled with water. A screen with a puck of ground coffee is placed in the screen and it's tamped down and water is heated to a boil. The steam pushes through that coffee and fills the upper chamber with viscous hot coffee. And it's, it's a very thick, very rich type of coffee and usually has like a nice little crema on the top of it that that gives it a nice sweet flavor right depending on how like the, the machinery and stuff if usually uh what i've learned too is if it's like copper based the espresso might be a little bit sweeter oh so there's like some interesting things and there's also something called a cafe cubano which is where you pull the grounds and then you put a sprinkle of brown not brown not brown sugar but like raw sugar yeah. into the grounds and then tamp it down and brew it that way and so it's a little bit of a sweeter shot we actually will be talking about Cafe Cabana a little bit later. Oh, I'm so excited. But yeah, there's I have I've made I've used a percolator to make coffee and I was like just blown away at the process because I'm like, how does this make any sense? The water's below. Mm-hmm. And I'm usually thinking with gravity, the water wants to go down. Yeah. But because you're heating it and the steam pushes up through this little filter of this the tamp down coffee. Really interesting process. Mm-hmm. So anyway, if you like very robust flavored, rich sort of coffee, that is definitely a way to go. Yes, one hundred percent. All right, so we're still talking about in Italy. There's a common phrase that many Americans will have heard, which is an Americano. Mm-hmm. This actually means to go. And so this is basically a small shot of espresso in a mug, a small mug mm-hmm. that people will quickly consume. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, these are, again, this is meant to be fast. This is sort of life on the go, sort of the opposite if, of the Swedes, really. And so a lot of people will go stand at a bar, get their Americano and drink it and head out possible thing that i heard that i'm not entirely i didn't actually check the veracity of this 
but I heard that there is like a sitting charge for attending some of these bars hmm. so that if you stand, you don't have to pay the sitting charge, but they will try and get you to sit so that they can charge you the sitting charge on top yeah, of the coffee. Yeah. But anyway, very common people will stand at the bar, order their Americano, again, sh- small shot of espresso in a mug, drink that, and then head out. In the American version of an Americano is just a shot of espresso with some water in it. So it's usually like hot water or cold water, depending on if you have it hot or iced. Which I actually find if I'm unsure of the quality of the coffee that I'm getting from a place, an Americano is usually a safe bet for me to like yeah. have coffee I will enjoy. Yeah, exactly. It's usually pretty good. It's, yeah. it's definitely fresher. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's uh, that'll be my go to unless I know they've got good coffee. I like that. I like that. So we're going to take a quick coffee break. You can enjoy some coffee while listening to some ads. We'll be back to talk about turkey. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. So let's talk about Turkey. Yeah. When the Ottomans brought coffee to Turkey from Yemen, they brought with them the method of brewing. And this is a very specific method of brewing for Turkish coffee. So they brew yeah. coffee grounds and water together in a small copper pot called a sezva. And when the brewed mixture is poured into a cup, they let the ground sink to the bottom as it cools. Yeah. Most people don't typically like having grounds in their coffee. What makes this different, though, and, and what's really important is the grind on this is really, really, really fine. Typically, so yeah. almost like a powder. Right. Not necessarily like a, like coarse grounds that you would see in like a, a pour over brew or something. Yeah. That being said. It is directly in the coffee. The whole method was there is no filtering process. The coffee and the mm-hmm. water are all together, sort of like if you were making um, like hot chocolate sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yes, they, they, you sort of generally let the, the ground settle to the bottom and then you'll drink it. And as you're correct, very finely ground, as you might imagine, because the way this is prepared, it's often very dark, often very bitter. Mm-hmm. And so it is frequently served with sweets on the side or sweeteners inside it and that sort of thing. And coffee became such a foundational part of hospitality and culture in Turkey that the word ibrik, which actually just means to pour water, became synonymous with sezva and pouring coffee. So the sezva is, is the pot that is used. But mm-hmm. yeah, so ibrik just means to pour. And it sort of just means if you're saying ibrik, apparently you were, or ibrik, maybe you're pouring coffee. Mm-hmm. And further, very interestingly, I thought the word for the color brown is kavarenji meaning coffee colored. So you wouldn't call something like it'd be if, if you just called all brown things coffee colored. Interesting. Yeah, that's how pervasive it is. So I thought yeah, it's so cool. important. That is pretty cool. Now, this method spread to many other countries and regions, although idiosyncratic variations immediately sprang up and differed across countries, states, cities, neighborhoods, and even families. So there are different types of pots that you might use. There are different lengths of time. There are different grounds. There are different serving vessels. There's a lot of different things. Now, sometimes the grounds remaining at the bottom of the cup are red to tell one's fortune, kind of like tea reading. Yeah. So that is kind of a cool thing and a nice little unique thing for Turkish coffee that you don't see in in other places. I had Turkish coffee at a Lebanese restaurant and I tried it a couple times 
And again, I don't want to comment on anything. It was a little too sweet for me mm-hmm. because, again, they're sort of overcoming the bitterness of the grounds. And probably because it's America, that was like extra sweetened yeah. would be my guess. But yeah, it was it was a little sweeter than I, I tend to like. And I was also not prepared for how thick the coffee was. <laughs> yeah. And basically just like straight to drinking it. So it was like grounds and I was like, ooh. So I've not gone back for a lot of Turkish coffee, but I imagine that if it was prepared correctly and I knew what to do, that I'd, I'd probably enjoy it. Yeah, I think with a with a certain level of expectation, it might be a little bit different next time. Right. OK, let's talk about how coffee is enjoyed in Vietnam. And actually, this was the catalyst for this episode, right? Yes, actually, we, we got we were having a team meeting. One of our members, Selena, happened to be at a Vietnamese coffee shop. And so we started talking about the different coffee traditions and thought, hey, that'd be a fun topic. Yeah. And so here we are. And so it started with Vietnamese coffee. So in Vietnam, coffee is enjoyed throughout the entire day, which is nice because I feel like I would totally fit right in, fit very comfortably Same. into that. Yeah. I drink so much coffee. It's it's kind of it's it's a real problem. I think. <laughs> now, because electricity was inconsistently available, if available at all, a common way of preparing coffee it developed in this area. It required no power technology. So what you find is in their preparation, robusta coffee grounds are placed in a fin, a metallic filter that rests on the rim of a cup. Yeah. And so it's basically like a pour over, right? If you're thinking this sort of mm-hmm. metallic filter sitting over the cup, mm-hmm. the water slowly passes through the coffee. It's just gravity, you know, pulling the, the hot water through mm-hmm. and it filters into the cup below. Then the, the fin, so this is P-H-I-N, maybe it's pronounced pin. I'm not entirely sure. Mm-hmm. Vietnamese. Although I, I would say fin, you know, I'm thinking pho is P-H-O. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So once it, it is in the cup, then the fin is simply removed and the coffee is enjoyed straight from the cup. Mm-hmm. The robusta beans that they use contain high levels of caffeine, but they also contain fewer sugars and fats. And so the result is that you get this ri- this thick, rich, highly caffeinated, it's like twice as much caffeine, this highly caffeinated brew called a safeden, which is a black coffee. Mm, black coffee. Mm-hmm. Now, to enhance the flavor, these brews are commonly combined with condensed milk in a café soie or in the same preparation, but iced in a café soie da. Yes. So interesting. Yeah. And we'll see the fairly common theme of some kind of combination of dairy and coffee very commonly. Yes, yes, yes. That, that happens in almost every preparation. <laughs> OK. Shall we talk about South India? Yes, let's please. Now, in South India, a small cup with holes called a filter is filled with ground coffee and hot water is poured into the grounds with a cup below. So similar to a pour over, the water is strained through the grounds into the cup below. Right. And then what will happen? So, again, this is sort of like a pour over. It goes straight into the cup you're going to drink from. Once it's there, they'll often add sugar and milk to the coffee or they'll just leave it black. However, they you want it prepared. And then what's interesting here is what they'll do is they'll take the concoction that they have of whatever is in the coffee and they'll pour it back and forth between something called a dabara and a tumbler. Mm-hmm. One is a little bit bigger than the other. And they just sort of pour one into the other cup and then pour it back and they go back and forth between the two cups and doing this mixes the milk and sugar. And if they've added any spices as well, mm-hmm. and it also aerates the coffee and cools it down. So it'll create a slightly different texture and flavor profile of the coffee by pouring it back and forth. Yeah. Now, after mixing, the Dabara is placed inside the tumbler and the beverages are enjoyed. So however it's prepared after that tumbling process, the cups are put back together and then you get a a nice cup of coffee. And this is sometimes called meter coffee, but uh, it has other names, too. Sometimes oh, I'm going to butcher these. I'm so sorry. But there's Kumba Konum degree coffee, uh, Mylapore filter coffee and Madras Kapi and Kapi, which, again, is sort of supposed to sound phonetically like the word coffee. Mm hmm. Have you ever had South Indian coffee? I have once, yes. And I actually really okay. enjoyed it. This was good. Of course, did it without the milk. And I may have done it without the sugar because I tend to prefer my coffee black. Mm-hmm. But yes, I did. It did create a different texture. And I and I enjoyed that. Have you tried it? Okay. I've never tried it. No, I've never had an opportunity to. I've had Thai coffee and I've tried different coffee like roasts, like particular, you know, roast profiles. Sure. But I haven't had that specific preparation. Cool. Yeah. I'd, if you have a chance, I'd recommend it. I, I liked that one. Speaking of preparations, why don't we take a trip to Malaysia? Let's take a trip to Malaysia. This is a really interesting one. Malaysian coffee would probably be acceptable on a paleo or or keto diet Mm -hmm. or specifically ketogenic diet. Mm -hmm. So they use these black kopi beans that are roasted that when they're specifically roasting the beans, they roast them with some kind of fat, often a butter or margarine. 
and with sugar as well. So that's how they roast the coffee beans. So the flavor is sort of baked right into the bean as they're roasting it. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And this is called an Ipo white coffee. They often make a very light roast out of greener beans. And then the, the coffee after it's roasted is ground and placed in a thick cloth strainer inside a metal pitcher and then sort of like normal is covered with boiling water and sort of functions like a pour over. Now, in Malaysia, coffee is served at establishments called kapitiam or kopitiam, which also serve all meals throughout the day. And these are frequently adopted by local residents and become common socialization spots where people get to know one another. Now, coffee is prepared black or with evaporated milk or condensed milk. And when making a latte like coffee with these milks, a greener bean is often used and is ground into a fine powder. Now, uh, to kind of talk about this for a second, the roasting process, typically the coffee beans that you get are roasted from a green bean right a uh, green bean is an unroasted or very very lightly roasted coffee bean. Mm-hmm. if you go to start i just i feel like a lot of our american listeners have a reference for starbucks if you go to starbucks and you get a refresher those are made with green beans oh i didn't know that. those are made that's why there's caffeine in it it's like they're not teas they're coffee refreshers they're made with a green bean and they're usually a lighter flavor interesting Mm-hmm. Now, these milkier coffees are often paired with a spicy food that is commonly known in uh, Malaysian cuisine. And I think it's because they sort of take the edge off of the spice, if you will. But that's one of the reasons that they're prepared that way and, and why they're enjoyed with that food. And also, as since you mentioned the lighter roast, important caveat that probably a lot of people know at this point, but in case you don't, sort of fun thing to know is the longer a bean roasts, the darker it will get but it also burns out the caffeine the longer it roasts. Mm -hmm. So lighter roast beans actually have more caffeine in them. Mm -hmm. And so my preference is to almost always go with a lighter roast. Yeah. Because I like that nice, that nice, very, first of all, I do enjoy light roast. I feel like it has a, a, the coffee flavor that's, that's in a lighter roast, the sort of nuttier flavor is a little more present. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that I just get a higher dose of caffeine. Yeah. I typically prefer a darker roast, but not so dark that it just is is just bitter or burnt. Right. It usually has to have a pretty decent flavor profile for me. So like I, I like when you learn, you know, I always think about the first time I tried coffee at work. We had to do coffee tasting and mm-hmm. I was like, well, it tastes like coffee. It smells like coffee. Uh, it does not go well with pizza was like my first like entry into my coffee tasting world. OK. And then once you learn like every bean and every roast has like a different flavor profile, very much so like wine, it changes the entire way that you look at coffee and how how you drink it how you pair it with stuff absolutely so it's interesting that they pair it with with spicy food because i i have a hard time seeing unless it's like cinnamon like a cinnamon based spice mm-hmm. like where it's like a very light spice i could i have a hard time imagining it with like a curry or something well i think it's because first of all they roast it with the butter and then they also mm-hmm. will add to it condensed milk making it yeah pretty really thick. really sweet yeah, yeah. very very <laughs> sweet yeah, so I think that that's probably why I could be wrong, but that I'm sort of hypothesizing yeah. based on on the way they describe it. They describe it as like seeing, okay, that probably would work with a sort of spicy food. But I tend to agree yeah. that I, I tend to not put spicy food with coffee together, even though I love them both. I tend to prefer enjoying them separately. <laughs> I think I like spicy breakfast, though. Like I like hot sauce on my eggs and stuff. Oh, but... yeah, definitely. That's true. Yeah, that's a very good point. No, that's all fair. <laughs> I just we're just talking, we're just doing preference assessments here at this point. Yeah, in time. yeah. Well, and, and just to be clear, like I'm not against dark roast coffee. Obviously, like an uh, yeah. Particularly if you have a, a good roaster, you can get a very nice dark roast. And for those of you who have tried, like coffee can be burned at many stages, but definitely when you're brewing the coffee, mm-hmm. and you can tell because it starts to taste like what charcoal smells like. So yes, exactly, very exactly. Unpleasant. Yeah, it's not a great thing. Well, before we go to our next country, I would like to get a refill. So I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and and fill my mug and then we will take a, a quick trip to Mexico. Yes. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch-ch-ch-chumba. Chumba.com. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. We're in the United States, but we're going to head south of the border here and check mm-hmm. out what is going on in Mexican coffee. Now, before we get into this, I'm just going to say that after I sort of read the description of this, this sounds like coffee I would absolutely love. Mm-hmm. So I hope I get a chance to try real traditional Mexican coffee because it sounds so good. Yes, it does. Absolutely. 100%. I'm reading it right now. I'm like, oh, it sounds so good. Yes. All right. Now, Mexican preparations often involve a clay pot called an an ala, and it's often prepared with brown sugar and cinnamon. So asking for a cafe de ala usually means a lightly sweetened cinnamon flavored coffee, which is just like just right down. Perfect. I mean, there's a local coffee shop here that does something called a honey badger flavor which mm. is like cinnamon honey and vanilla okay which like is like totally in my wheelhouse so this yeah. is like yeah well I, i'm reading this i'm like yeah this is good right now traditionally raw cane sugar is compressed into into little cones called the piloncillo which is grated and mixed with a with a spice such as cinnamon and added to the brew so you've got these little like cones that you're dropping in and kind of grated and it looks really nice and it's often served with an orange peel in the cup as well which makes it even better right like i'm like all about this this is sound it sounds like the best cup of coffee in the world yeah and sometimes rather than putting ground cinnamon they'll put just sticks of cinnamon in there there's different ways of preparing it but yeah either way like just lovely I'm here for it. And then like many other traditions that we've discussed, the Mexicans will often enjoy a cafe de ala at all times of day and even right before going to bed, which I will also do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so just this just sounds like really in my wheelhouse for how I would enjoy coffee. Yeah. And if you are somebody who's interested in like flavor profiles, a lot of like uh, Latin American coffees have they either have like a nutty or like a chocolatey type of undertone to it, Mm -hmm. which is really, really nice. Like Guatemalan coffee is like some of my favorite because it's got like that chocolatey undertone. But there's something to have like a kind of a fruity undertone too, like a cherry type of flavor to it. Can we just bring peace on earth by enjoying one another's coffees <laughs> I, based on this episode i feel like we should it doesn't make any sense that we're all fighting about anything right <laughs> just like oh that's how you make coffee let's talk about that <laughs> yeah i want more of that will you share your coffee recipe with me yeah this would be great thank you yeah whatever our conflict was i've forgotten let's just enjoy a cup of coffee <laughs> yeah i'll take a cafe de ola please thank you ah, so good okay let's talk about brazil Yes. So Brazil is one of the largest producers of coffee in the world. Brazilians will traditionally make a dark roast that is finely ground and slowly extracted. And the result is a full bodied, bitter flavor. And thus, it is very common that coffee is brewed with a diluted sugar syrup to make an ultra sweet type of coffee with a strong coffee flavor still present. So real strong, real sweet. And you'll get that in a a Brazilian coffee shop somewhere. Now, many of the places that we discussed, they will have the sort of tradition around having different types of coffee shops and cafes and places like that. Mm-hmm. But apparently coffee is actually so common in Brazil that there aren't actually very many coffee <laughs> shops is what I was reading. And <laughs> coffee is just freely available as part of re- regular daily transactions. You like go to the dentist, get a cup of coffee, free cup of coffee with a tank of gas, go to a doctor's appointment, you get a cup of coffee just throughout your day. You're going somewhere, someone's handing you a cup of coffee. Or if you're, you can Get a cup of coffee when you go to get groceries or you're at a bakery or you're just even if you're getting a meal, maybe you're just waiting at a counter and someone's going to hand you a cup of coffee while you're while you're waiting at the counter. They'll either serve it black or with hot milk. Just ubiquitous in Brazil. Apparently, mm-hmm. I'm here for that. Right. I will take a cup of coffee over a handshake every single day. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I love the idea that these people in all these other cultures have their, like, sort of social coffee hub, and that's amazing. Mm-hmm. But uh, this whole thing of, like, just coffees everywhere, I'm like, ooh, that sounds really nice, too. That's a very nice thing, yes. Yeah. Coffee's pretty pervasive in the United States, but not that, not like that. Yeah, definitely not, not quite, so. Well, let's go ahead, and we're going to leave Latin America for a minute, and we're going to head back to Europe. And the first place we're going to visit on our return trip is Austria. Yes. Where Arnold is from. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So one common way that coffee is prepared in Austria is, is this is so fascinating to me in reading about this. And this is actually common in a few places. What they'll do is they'll take honey and an egg yolk and they'll put that hmm. into a cup and they'll just mix it together until it's all one congealed mass. And 
as it's being stirred, they're, they're sort of adding coffee to the cup. And then this concoction is called the spice melange. Just kidding. That's 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 from Dude. But it's called. A- I, you had me for a second. I was like, <laughs> is it really? Is that where he got that from? <laughs> when you drink it, you can see into the future. It's incredible. Um, <laughs> it's actually called, I, I believe it's pronounced Kaize Melange. And as I said, this is actually commonly enjoyed in a lot of Scandinavian countries in different ways that are sort of similar to this. And there are actually a few different traditions I found that involve some kind of egg yolk type concoction. But they'll also make a cappuccino in Austria, simply call them a lounge. And that is, you know, a basic cappuccino. It's espresso with steamed milk topped with some kind of foam milk or whipped cream and whipped cream, maybe. I feel like I would try that, but I don't know how I would feel about it. Like, I wonder if the egg yolk just makes it like really rich. Again, this seems like sort of a keto friendly Mm -hmm. paleo diet type arrangement of this. Yeah. It would never have occurred to me to be like, well, let's just mix it in egg yolk with my coffee. but. That's that's just me. You know, I yeah. And I think that the idea of like butter and coffee, is that what the bulletproof coffee is or or is that something else? I don't know if bulletproof coffee is that, but I know that people were putting butter and coffee for a bit for a minute. Okay. Like pads of butter and stuff. And you're like, I was like, huh, okay, all right. I didn't look up bulletproof coffee, but that might be and we'll get to talking about the United States, but that might be the preparation where I've known some people where what they'll do is they'll brew a pot of coffee and then they'll take that pot of coffee and use it as the water to make another pot of coffee and they'll do that maybe a couple times yeah so you get a very concentrated version of coffee yeah yeah so there's there's that that feels like a just overkill it it does it does feel like overkill <laughs> but you know whatever whatever you enjoy yeah. you know that's fine more power that's to fine. you well Speaking of what people enjoy, let's talk about Finland for a second. So of many popular preparations in in Finland specifically, they will put a chunk or chunks of cheese in the bottom of a coffee mug and then fill it with coffee, which is also very interesting. Yeah. It is called a Kaffeeost. That's how I'm reading it. And it's said to have a tiramisu like flavor, which I mean, I'm down for that. (laughs) Right. That makes it 100% better. I would imagine they're probably using maybe a sweet cheese. I can't imagine that they would use like a stinky cheese. Like, could you imagine putting like a like a Limburger cheese (laughs) in the bottom of a coffee cup and just be like, or like blue cheese, like blue cheese. I couldn't imagine putting blue cheese in a coffee cup and then drinking that. Yeah. I would be like, did you get this out of the sewer? Like what? What am I drinking (laughs) from like a polluted lake? Maybe. Yeah. How did we get here? How did we arrive here? I mean, but it's interesting. Like I imagine that a lot of these traditions come from a place where you're talking about local resources. You're talking about like common resources that are available to make a simple cup of coffee. That's a very common beverage. Right. So like a lot of it seems like that's kind of what's happening. But it's interesting that people have discovered ways to make that that work that way. Also kind of interesting that this isn't like a French thing, because I feel like I would expect France to do something like where they're putting cheese in their coffee. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but no, to, you're right. Uh, to your point. Um, yeah, it probably is more the sweeter cheeses, ones that maybe have like a nuttier flavor it would make the most sense, mm-hmm. I think, to put in something like a, yeah. in a cup of coffee. And there was a, there's a cool picture of this. I'd recommend looking it up. If you have a minute and you want to pause this or keep listening and look it up on your phone or whatever, the picture that I saw there where they're sort of lifting the chunk of cheese out of their coffee and it kind of looks like a mini tiramisu with sort of the coffee on it yeah and i feel like the coffee is probably slowly breaking down the cheese as it's like melting in the coffee as you go so Mm kind of interesting at least yeah it's definitely worth a try it sounds like so moving on to what might be sort of considered the pinnacle if you will of coffee as we mentioned one of the main hypotheses that many people accept is that coffee originated in ethiopia Let's talk about Ethiopian traditions of coffee because they're fascinating mm-hmm. and sound really good, like really, really good. And as we said, it's sort of the the creme de la creme of the coffee preparers. No joke. I, you know, I, as much as I like Hawaiian coffee, I definitely prefer East African coffee more and Ethiopian coffee is probably my favorite. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Ethiopian, Kenyan, Tanzanian coffee. It was like where it's at. Nice. Now, as a storied historical producer of coffee, Ethiopia has coffee ceremonies with public displays of roasting, grinding, and brewing coffee in a traditional clay pot called a jabena. Now, the jabena is so important that when offered coffee, Ethiopians may ask jabena or machine, which I love so right? much. It's yeah. like, it's this, or I guess you could have this other thing. Yeah, that, that is the like French <laughs> press coffee or gas station coffee. Yeah, French press or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, or something else that's maybe worth drinking if I'm in a pinch. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's a whole ceremony around this, as we said, and there's often onlookers and a public involvement in this. But traditionally, this begins by preparers who will start burning incense 
And they'll also often spread like flowers and grasses around in the area, maybe on the floor to just sort of fill the air with aroma. And this is before they even start roasting. Okay. So they're sort of setting the mood, if you will. Once that is, that is on, then what they'll do is they will actually roast the beans. Again, this is a whole public thing. People around, they're doing this together as like a group. It's a whole ceremony. And the coffee beans are roasted in a large metal pot over an open charcoal flame until the husks start to separate. Mm -hmm. Once the husks are separated, but while the beans are still roasting, spices such as cardamom, clove, cinnamon, other spices, probably starting with C, you know, just those all all the good C spices uh, are added to the pot and to start to kind of infuse with those those roasted beans. Yeah. Then the coffee beans are ground with a metal rod called a zena zena. Mm-hmm. To go in the Jibina, I guess, uh, or Japan. <laughs> and yeah, so because you have this sort of thick concentrate, right? They don't want the grounds in there. So what they'll do is they'll mm-hmm. pour boiling water from about a foot above the coffee grounds and strain through a fine mesh. Mm, I like it. Now, the elders are served first. So uh, there's a that's an important tradition. Yeah. And in this traditional method, they will strain the coffee three times. And that's said to take the consumer through a spiritual transformation. So the first time through the fresh grounds is the strongest and darkest called the abol. The second time, fresh water is filtered through the same grounds to make a somewhat lighter coffee called a tona. And the third and final round is, again, fresh water through the same grounds to make the lightest of all called the baraka or the blessing. Yep. So once you've gone through the three cups of coffee. Or maybe you just were at some stage along there. Then you've you've experienced the spiritual transformation through the ceremonial preparation of coffee. Oftentimes, coffee is flavored with sugars, herbs, spices, or similar to other places. They'll add butter as well. And it is considered impolite, apparently, to consume fewer than three cups of coffee as a part of these ceremonies. We're going to be so polite when we go visit Ethiopia. Right? <laughs> It's like, uh, I'm sorry, sir. That's your 10th cup. Yeah, I, I'm going through a lot of transformations right now. Right. Third, third cycle through. Third cycle through. Like this. Listen, this is this is a lifetime of drinking coffee. So it's it's we're good. This is an interesting thing, too. And I think this word comes up a lot when it comes to Ethiopia. The Yergachev is a type of Ethiopian coffee often regarded as the best in the world with hints of floral and fruity flavors and a, quote, tea like finish. Now, I want to kind of stop for a second and talk about this because. Okay. When you get coffee from certain regions, regions typically have a flavor profile. African coffees tend to be lighter, more citrusy. Asian coffees tend to be a little bit darker, usually like cinnamon, more earthy flavors. And then, like I mentioned before, Latin American coffees tend to have nutty, chocolatey and a little bit fruity types of notes to it. But what you also find is that specific farms and specific mm. regions, like even more specific than just like East African or African coffees tend to have very unique flavor profiles. Like Guatemala specifically has chocolate flavors. And one thing that you'll find about Ethiopian coffee is it has a very high acidity, which means it washes off your tongue really easily, mm. but it has a very high, it, it pairs really, really well with citrus flavors. That's why a lot of times you'll see Ethiopian coffees paired with like lemon and orange and different types of citrus fruits because it pairs really well with those types of flavor profiles. So interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's that's great. So that yeah, is the, yeah. the yoga chef. Now, there is a common saying in Ethiopia called Buna Tetu, mm-hmm. and this is an invitation, meaning come drink coffee with me. And that's used so frequently that that phrase, the Buna Tetu, is even synonymous with the generic name for a coffee shop. And so that's where we might call it a Starbucks today or Dunkin Donuts if you're on the East Coast mm-hmm. of the United States. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. No, I think this this sounds a lot more sort of communal and traditional and just delightful. The the Buna tattoo, Yurkachev, the Abol, Tona, and Baraka made in a mm-hmm. Jabene with their whole ceremony. <laughs> I just now want to go to Ethiopia. Yeah. And after this episode, I'm going to just drink so much coffee that I'm just getting so many of the cravings. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at this point in time, uh, time that we're recording this, it's lunchtime for me and I'm like still like, okay, I need to have a cup of coffee. <laughs> right. Okay. We have sort of some general common ways that coffee is prepared in different countries. And we're going to talk about those really quick after we take a quick restroom break from all the coffee that we've had. We'll be right back. <laughs> Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay. Hands washed, returned, ready to talk mm-hmm. about how coffee exists in other countries and sort of a common preparation. Now, essentially, in many countries, a commonly enjoyed preparation is simply coffee with a layer of cream. Sometimes it's sweetened cream, sometimes condensed milk, or other ways of mixing or layering creams and milks and other dairy sort of products. Now, besides where examples of this are already mentioned, this can be found in Morocco, and it's called a noose-noose. In Spain, it's called a cafe bonbon or a candy coffee. That sounds actually really good. Right. In New Zealand, Australia, and other countries, a flat white, which you can actually order a flat white at Starbucks right now. You'd mentioned previously the cafe cubano, which is common in Cuba and other places around the world. Mm-hmm. Which is my favorite espresso preparation. And then also, I, I don't see here on our notes, but we don't talk about cafecito. Oh, you know, I did see that and I forgot to write it down. So talk about a cafecito. Cafecito is rocket fuel. Wow. <laughs> That's the only way I guess. They burn it to fly to the moon. <laughs> yeah. uh, listen, we had a <laughs> conference in Miami and we went to a local place. I went in and ordered Cinco Cafecitos. And so the woman looked at me like I was out of my mind. And I was like, well, there's five of us. So we need five coffees. And she, But, you know, Cafecito is typically uh, like an eight ounce cup of coffee that you share and sip in these. Like they give you like these little thimble sized cups because it's oh. incredibly strong gotcha i mean like you're talking about like incredibly concentrated it's very sweet it's like a cafe cubano it's prepared like that where it's like yeah. a sweet espresso well all of us drink our entire cafecitos and we're just vibrating through time at that point in time because that's the only way that you could describe how we felt i swear my heart was gonna stop and then for lunch we had another one one of the guys we were with <laughs> was like we need more cafecito and he literally ran two miles down the road to go get it because he couldn't he didn't have a car like the car was blocked in he ran and ran back with wow. cafecito and he had spilled one on him and all that. Very nice. All right. So anyway, what we were talking about <laughs> is uh, these. So really common preparations is, is preparing coffee with milk. So in Colombia and many other Central and, and South American countries, they have a cafe de leche, which is just coffee with milk. And in France, the identical version called a cafe au lait, which again means coffee with milk. Yep. In Argentina, a cafe lagrima is a slight variation, which is mostly milk with a small splash of coffee. And this is just called Dunkin' Donuts in the U.S. because that's all <laughs> that's all it is. You know, I like my sugar with coffee and cream. <laughs> keep it going, keep it going, keep it going, full steam. <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah, I remember the first time that I ever visited a Dunkin' Donuts and I was like, I'd like a regular coffee. And they gave me this concoction that looked like ice cream. I'm like, what is happening? Like, no, this is not right. Yeah, I'm like regular. <laughs> so coffee, just coffee. I just want coffee. Like, yeah, that's a regular coffee. Yeah, that's your regular coffee. I'm like, yeah, you just handed me a cow with some coffee in it. <laughs> yeah, you just gave me a gallon of milk. No offense to those who love Dunkin' Donuts, and no offense to Dunkin' Donuts. No, 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 no. Offense, offense to those because okay. that's not coffee. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> we just isolated the our entire Northeast audience. I'm so sorry. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, you and your black coffee. Oh, you <laughs> in Rome, they do a kind of similar drink, which is often something tourists enjoy or people who are just out and about. And this is uh, an espresso with gelato. Mm. So I guess we get sort of a yeah, very creamy, very sweet sort of coffee drink. That's uh, mm-hmm. obviously very, very heavy as well. And there's like a, an affogato style, which is where you pour a shot of espresso on top of a like a scoop of ice cream and stuff. That's really good. Yeah. So there's like diff- there's a lot of different preparation. I mean, there's no way that we could cover all that in a single episode. Yeah. But what we should talk about is what coffee looks like in the U.S. Yeah, we kind of described it, depending on where you're at. Sometimes there's no coffee at all. It's just sugar and something else. I mean, or sugar syrup, uh, even more commonly. So you get corn sugar and milk, and then they'll <laughs> call it a coffee. 
depending on where you're at, you might just, as we said, get mostly milk or heavy sweetened cream with a splash of coffee or a hint of coffee or made with a uh-huh. a fan blowing over a pot of coffee. So it maybe infuses a little <laughs> of the essence of coffee in there. <laughs> yeah, it's not. Um, I mean, there are I would say that there's not like a very particular tradition yeah. as far as like not something as elaborate or, or as spiritual as what you'll see. I would say that the tradition is that it's to go. Yeah. And that's usually what you'll see is there's a lot of coffee shops that are to go. And there are so many various preparations of what coffee looks like. I mean, the, the, the majority of people drink it hot, usually a pour over with a little bit of sugar and cream. That's usually what the kind of the general preparation is. A lot of people drink black coffee and there is a movement to talk about um, different like we talked about French presses, there are it's cold brew is out there. Nitro cold brew is a thing that exists now. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different preparations and the United States is just full of all of them. You could go to it into any coffee shop and be like, I would like this. And they probably have that version of the coffee that you're looking for. Yeah. And there are, there are a lot of coffee connoisseurs in the United States who are very particular about how they like their nice black coffee and how it is ground, how it is roasted, the temperature at which mm-hmm. it's made. So the the whole sort of like milk heavy craze is that that is very much, I think in the style of to go, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. I think coffee kiosks and drive through coffee are a staple of American coffee tradition. If you yes. are getting a coffee, there's probably a drive through option mm-hmm. in most places, but some people, they really do take their coffee very seriously here. They really go to great lengths to make what they consider to be great cups of coffee. They will enjoy their coffee in a very social way, mm-hmm. which is great. And I'm certainly in support of that. And then, yeah, as you said, there are many ways of grinding, roasting, brewing, that sort of thing. And then nitro cold brew. Interestingly, because we didn't talk about it much. So I think nitro cold brew is actually invented from the process for making beer. Uh-huh. And so they'll inf- basically they took the same exact idea for infusing nitrogen in- into beer to make it foamy and did the same thing with coffee. And I love yeah. nitro cold brew. Uh, yes, it's so good. Yeah. Genuinely, I, and I say this like full just full of meaning and love i just love coffee so much yeah that i will drink just about any preparation of yes, coffee right there's not one where i've been like Ugh. you know <laughs> I, I think that that's where it comes it's like it's just such a it's it's such an important part of my my daily routine and i think that's probably the psychology part of this right like it's become a routine and a habit that is like kind of the start of my day it usually sets my day off really well i am 100 addicted to it so like <laughs> when i don't drink coffee i get a really bad headache yeah yeah so there's there's a lot of there's a lot of psychology to unpack with that too yeah sorry just one more thing that i was thinking about to add to the sort of to go nature of american coffee and i bl- i did not actually verify this because we're just doing this off the cuff now but I believe that Keurig was invented in the United States, and that's such an American thing. (laughs) Yeah, single-use coffee. Yeah, single-use plastic coffee pods filled with something akin to an instant coffee, where you put it in a machine and it does like a single-use shot that often goes into a disposable cup. It is like pollution on top of garbage on top of waste on like a a single-use thing, and. Again, like there, there's a lot of practical reasons to actually do something like that, and I can see that making sense. I would personally never put one of those in my house or a place that like mm-hmm. I was going to be spending any decent amount of time. Nope. But I have appreciated when I was in a place like a hospital, for example, and it was like, look, you can totally serve yourself in this whole preparation very easily by doing this. And then I'm like, that does make a lot of sense in the situation. So yeah. I get that. Yeah. I'm not necessarily dogging on them, but it is so American <laughs> to make something like that. It, it like really that. is. Yeah. I'll use it if I have to, but I'll avoid it if I can. Right. Yeah. And honestly, just the sheer amount of waste that comes from this is kind of <laughs> yeah. incredible. Yeah. yeah. And nevertheless, it is an impressive machine. Basically, for if you haven't seen one, as I said, there's, they look like sort of plastic shot glasses with a usually sort of aluminum top. And then there's some kind of coffee. Again, it can be instant coffee or some version of this. They'll do it with tea as well. It's situated in in the Keurig. And then a a sieve kind of like will poke down through the metallic top and it'll Mm -hmm. quickly strain through water, which is boiled in the machine. Yeah. And it it just pours out the bottom of that because there's there's a hole in the bottom of this thing that pushes through the top to put the water through. And then it strains right down into a cup. The other problem with this, of course, is that because it runs through the machine, whatever you make in that machine is going to taste like that more and more over time. Mm-hmm. And so you'll end up with something that is like essentially, even if you're like making tea or even just hot water out of a Keurig, it just ends up tasting like whatever you usually make in the Keurig. Right, right, exactly. And also Keurigs are just essentially instant coffee pour overs. Yes. That's what it is. <laughs> right. And instant coffee is an interesting phenomenon in and of itself and definitely worth talking about at some point. But 
<laughs> yeah, it's a whole thing. Yeah, but as, as as you said, I think closing it out, I think the main thing is we love coffee. This episode gave me cravings like nothing I think we've ever talked about before. That I'm just now <laughs> yeah. thinking about all the different ways I want to get coffee today. And, I just want Mexican coffee at this point. Like, oh, I'm like dying to get some Mexican coffee. Cafe de Ola. Oh, man. <laughs> they figured that stuff out over there. <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Oh, wonderful. Okay. If you absolutely hate coffee and you're listening to this, like you guys are the worst for even making me listen to this, I apologize. And also consider trying some different coffees because there's a lot out there. Mm-hmm. And maybe you'll enjoy that the Cafe Legrima, which is just the Argentinian milk with uh with a hint of coffee in it. Yeah. Or something from Starbucks, which has no coffee in it. I also I do have to point out to i know we're getting ready to do recommendations and all that but i do think it's it's really wonderful that we are recording an episode on coffee on independence day when the united states threw all of our tea <laughs> in the boston tea <laughs> party right. like no forget tea we we prefer coffee that's right like we had to differentiate ourselves from our uh from our imperialist <laughs> united kingdom so uh you know coffee rules i love it so <laughs> indeed all right, great. Well, I think I've said about all I want to say about uh, coffee preparations for now. Again, we could talk all day about coffee because we love it so much. But uh, mm-hmm. are we ready to take some or do some recommendations? Let's do it. Recommendations. I think I've recommended this before, but I'm going to recommend it again because this place is wonderful. If you're ever in the Daytona Beach area, there is a local place. It's kind of hidden. It's off off the beaten path and it's called Neighbors Ice Cream. And this is like a little it's reminiscent of old like, you know, candy stores. When you walk in, um, it used to have like a bunch of candy and like a bunch of kind of like, like almost like a penny candy type of place. It's very much so like a local refuge across the street is this wonderful park that I grew up playing at. And um, it's just like embedded in a neighborhood and they're known for having this really great ice cream. But the reason I'm recommending this is that this place also does nitro cold brew Ooh. and you can go in and you can get a carafe. So I'll go in every now and again. And get a carafe full of their their cold brew, their nitro cold brew, and I'll drink that. I can drink uh, like I usually go through a carafe in a week. And their coffee is just absolutely incredible. It's one of the it's it's just they do it really well, and they keep it in kegs, so it's like very much so like a, wow. like they have like a fountain and all that. So yeah, it is a really wonderful wonderful experience. And the and the crafts are huge, like sixty four ounces. So man, so it's a lot of coffee. It's a lot of coffee, and it's totally worth it. All right. I'm very curious about this. I love the idea of a carafe of nitro cold brew. Yeah. Sign me up for that. So good. Yeah. I'm here for it. It's so good. Okay. I'm recommending something unrelated to our topic today, and this is called Dashlane. This is a password management service. Um, There's like several out there, and I haven't tried very many really just kind of the ones that come with certain browsers and and, uh, operating systems. But I I got into Dashlane as a way sort of password management. So the way that this works is you have one master password and then you set up Dashlane on your various devices and browsers and it'll periodically make you sign back in using your master password. But from there, what it'll do is it'll remember all your passwords and then whenever you need to sign up for anything or create a new password, it'll recommend passwords that are usually ludicrously impossible to break. And they'll like include characters you wouldn't even think to include in a password oftentimes, like weird apostrophes and periods and brackets and stuff Uh like that. There's like a VPN service it provides. It'll help monitor the dark web for breaches in your your privacy and security. And it will even change your passwords. You can do like a password changer thing where it'll go through and uh, update passwords if need be. So um, anyway, Dashlane, I really like it. I have found an enormous amount of utility. I used to, you know, I was one of those people where I had just like a document with all my passwords saved in it. Uh And this is just so much more secure. It'll tell you like if you've reused a password a dangerous number of times and all that. But yeah, so Dashlane is an extension for browsers and stuff. I really like it. It's it's the the way that I most prefer to have my my passwords stored anymore. I like it. I like it. I'm going to check it out because I, I need a password manager myself. So yeah, it's it's not, it's, you know, you obviously pay, pay for it, but it's not terrible. And they'll even store things like uh, your credit card information, stuff like that. So um, mm-hmm. yeah, good way to protect all your stuff. Cool. Okay. I think that's all we have to say about cybersecurity for now. If you would like to tell us about your favorite password manager or your ice cream or at your cold brew place, if you have some traditions that we missed that you would like to share about coffee and how it's prepared, please tell us because we need to know. 
And also mm-hmm. our other listeners need to know. So write in. You can reach us at info at www.wwdpodcast.com. You can also reach us on the various social media platforms, the ones that are not dedicated to like conspiracy theory, hate speech, that sort of thing. And so <laughs> you, you can reach us there and we'll, we'll respond and we'll communicate with you via those platforms. If you'd like to support us, there are many ways to do that. You can tell a friend, leave us a rating and review, subscribe, that sort of stuff. You can support us financially if you'd like to by going to our website and checking out our store. We have some shirts that like, they don't necessarily look like podcast shirts. I get it's kind of weird. You're like, do I want to wear a shirt that says something about listening to podcasts? Maybe. I don't know. The answer is yes. Yes, you probably do. I do, but maybe you don't. And so we have one that just says always learning, for example. And then Mm -hmm. we've got some like tote bags and mugs and all kinds of cool stuff and beanies and things like that. Otherwise, you can support us by joining us on Patreon, and that gets you all sorts of other sort of less tangible perks. You get early access to episodes. You get to see us uh, recording in our, our pajamas and stuff like that, in our wild hairdos, and looking mm-hmm. like we just rolled out of bed, or of, uh, or just like we need coffee, like we need coffee, yeah, or like we just got back from a, a, ra- a rave, or something like that. Mm-hmm. So that's that's joining us on Patreon. I think that's all I have to say about that part of it. All right, the people who have already supported us on Patreon because they're awesome and wonderful and helpful. Includes Amanda, Brad, The Daily BA, Joshua, Justin, Justine, Kim, Costia, Layla, Megan, Mike M, Mike T, Shauna, and Stephanie. Thank you all so much for your continued support, allowing us to do what we do and why we do it. And also thank you to my team that is so helpful and critical in making this possible. That is Justin, Selena, Kyle, Allen, and of course, Shane. Thank you for recording with me today. Anytime. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We appreciate your time and your commitments to this wonderful process that we have so much fun with. And hopefully we'll see you next time if you enjoyed this episode. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, I think that's all I've got. Did I miss anything or do you have anything to add? I got nothing else. All right. This is Abraham. We are out. And Shane, see ya. You've been listening to Why We Do What We Do. You can learn more about this and other episodes by going to www.wwdpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And we hope you have an awesome day. (laughs) 